Welcome to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance, where top-level COOs share their insights, tactics, and strategies that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Rob Davies is president of the Sport and Social Group. The Sport and Social Group hosts sports leagues and events for adults. After graduating from Queen's University and Wilfrid Laurier, Rob began a career in management consulting, which he found particularly spirit-crushing. When he found the Sport and Social Club in its early years, uh, he loved the entrepreneurial feel and industry vibe. Starting from three employees and 200 teams, the Sport and Social Group has grown to host 10,000 teams playing across seven markets, and they have a goal of hitting 1 million members and are well on their way to scaling the organization. Rob has been with the organization now for 19 years as their second-in-command. So, Rob, welcome to the Second-in-Command podcast. Yeah, thanks, Cameron. Thrilled to be chatting with you today. I think we've got a lot of uh, fun stuff to talk about, starting with your sister. Yeah, I was, um, was going to say this has been interesting because I've been hearing of your name and met you a couple times, but I've heard of your name so many times because my sister is the, the CEO of the Sport and Social Group and has been running it now for about 20 years. And I remember when um, I remember when you joined her and she was excited. And then I remember the phone call where she really was trying to figure out how could she keep you forever. And, ah. um, and forever is a long time because this is the, the area where we, you know, we work for companies for three years, not for 20. So clearly she found the, the diamond in the rough that every entrepreneur searches for. So I'm excited to have you on. Yeah. Well, definitely reflecting back on the last 20 years, it's, you know, I think not <laughs> being here for that long, but it's been a great ride and we're still enjoying it. Yeah, it'll be fun. So tell me, tell us briefly, cause I know I just kind of, um, kind of, I guess, flushed over it a little bit by saying um, that you run sports leagues and social events. So tell us what the sport and social group really does and uh, give us a bit of a perspective on the size of the organization because it's pretty huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly what you said. It's sports leagues and, and events for adults in the city. Um, often I describe us as intramurals for people that are no longer in college or university. So they graduate on, you know, maybe it's their first career, um, often moving to a new city. And people want to stay active or they want to meet people or um, just try a new sport. And that's where we come in. And, you know, I think there's lots of uh, avenues for, for people that want to play sports as a kid or playing sports in schools. But, you know, once they graduate, they sort of lose that, that network. Um, and that's what we've been able to provide. So as much as we like to think we're, we're selling dodgeball leagues, I think we're really selling community. Interesting. So, and so the, the community is that, that this is like Starbucks had the third place. You guys are actually making this almost the third place for the 20 to 50 year olds. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you get so, so busy in your career or, you know, for some of our members, they've started a family and, um, and that's becomes their new world. They don't have that same community that they had back in say university. Um, so it's a great, it's a great mechanism for people to stay connected to, some of their school friends or to meet new people, or as I say, just get out and, and be active and try a new sport and, um, you know, get off the couch and be active in the community. Yeah. And I remember when I was, um, back in Toronto when Christy was just starting this business up and you were involved, I was playing in one of her, uh, ultimate Frisbee leagues and I was, you know, working during the day, but I was 29 years old and, and to go and play co-ed intramural 
ultimate frisbee and then go for beer and nachos afterwards with everybody was amazing and it was exactly that college intramural experience how many so you said you've got over ten thousand leagues right now so how many people participating approximately would that give us yeah i mean when i i think back to when i started is you know we we had you know a couple hundred teams and now um so we have expanded and i think we'll maybe talk about sort of our expansion plans but we're in eight canadian cities and two american cities now and yeah, for, for 2019, we'll have 11,000 teams playing everything from, you know, soccer, floor hockey, um, other less popular sports like maybe curling and dodgeball. Um, we do a lot of events too and other just activities, fitness classes. So you name it, we've, we've tried it and um, just providing, you know, we like to say we're providing something for everyone. Um, you can choose your sport and then you can choose your night and your skill level too. Um, you know, we have uh, options for, for complete beginners, people that are really afraid. This is a great place to start, but um, right up to, you know, varsity level, of, you know, volleyball and all, all sorts of types. So that's cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember in the early days you had co-ed intramural or co-ed intertube water polo at one point. It was. Oh, yeah. We still, we still have the, the intertube water polo, which is hilarious. I mean, if people have seen the regular, um, you know, water polo without the inner tube, it's, yeah. it's a crazy sport, but this is a little more leisurely. You get to sit in the tube and splash around. It's awesome. All right. So talk to us about some of the logistics. So you've been working with um, Christy, who's a classic entrepreneur. She's um, very high energy, um, very driven, very focused, um, can be a little bit bipolar like most entrepreneurs with the, the massive ups and downs. How do you navigate that as the second in command? How, and how do you um, I guess help her stay in her unique ability and, and leverage that as well. Um, yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I, I like to think that, you know, I've talked to a lot of sort of COOs about, you know, their struggles with their CEOs. I think Christy and I fall into that sort of the classic, you know, she's the classic visionary, you know, lots of passion, lots of en energy, um, lots of ideas. She's a great leader always looking to expand the business um, and, and get into new things. But, you know, on the, on the flip side, um, you know, that passion and those ideas, it's, it's like a never ending supply of ideas coming in. So um, she tries, she doesn't really sweat the details maybe like I would and can get distracted by, by the, sh the shiny things. And the other common thing I hear from everyone is that, you know, people like uh, Christy, um, they want all of those ideas implemented right away yesterday kind of sh yeah. shooting from the hip and like let's just make it happen and let, let's go for it um so i think i offer a nice compliment to that <laughs> in that um i'm the more classically methodical um i kind of want more information so i can size it up and put it into the context of the big picture um really i guess at the the core i'm, I'm a systems and a process guy um so i i i have to describe describe christy as She's the gas pedal. Without her, we're not moving forward. Um, you know, but that means sometimes I need to play the role of the brake, or at least slowing us down. Or, or um, you know, if you go too fast, you'll crash. You know. Sure. Totally. So, so I think you know I've, I've heard you describe the the yin and the yang of that relationship, and definitely with the two of us, uh, I think that fits us to a T. And while we have overlapping, you know, strengths and weaknesses, um, I think we're a nice complement that way. 
So, so you talked about the classic entrepreneur of, of kind of winging it, shooting from the hip, the big shiny objects, wanting to put their ideas in place right away. How do you specifically work with her to either slow her down or keep track of the ideas so that they don't have to be started today, but we don't lose the ideas? Can you walk us through any systems or ways that you stay in sync and again, continue to leverage her strengths, but also, you know, not have to start everything right away? and not, not piss off the CEO by not wanting to put all their ideas right away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when Christy comes back from a conference or a, a talk, you know, she comes back, everyone's like, brace yourself, she's coming back, there's gonna be 30 ideas. And I mean, I think part of my role is to, to sift through and figure out which ones are the, are the gold and which ones are the bad ideas. But, um, but yeah, I, I found with Christy, really, um, as you said, finding a place for all those ideas, she, she wants to be heard. She wants her ideas to be acknowledged. And, um, you know, we happen to use Trello. So when, when an idea comes up, I make a point of documenting those ideas. And, um, you know, if that idea is, exists on a Trello board and it's there, for her, it's just the fear that the idea, which was an awesome idea in the time, might not be the right idea for now, is just not lost forever. So if it's somewhere in our system, we can refer back to it. Um, that seems to enable her to let go in the moment and move on, um, helps us to prioritize the ideas. And, and again, with her knowing that it's, it's not gone forever, that we can come back to it. I mean, to be honest, I find a lot of those ideas that I would deem the, the lower caliber <laughs> ideas tend to go away anyway in time. We come back to it and she sees it, goes, oh yeah, yeah, let's not do that. That was dumb, sure. So how do you catch up? You said that you kind of tend to, to ask some of the questions and um, how do you get on the same page with her overall for the, where the, the vision of the company is going and then also just on an, on an idea or a project by project basis, how do you get on the same page? How do you uh, catch um, up with her ideas? Yeah, so, we, so Christy and I meet every, every week for 90 minutes um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a meeting that we, we will not miss. And it happens to be right before our leadership meeting. So we find this is really helpful that before we're walking into the leadership meeting in front of the rest of the team, we can talk about the bulk of the ideas that are gonna come up at the table and we can be aligned in advance. And I think that's really important. There's been times when we, we haven't done that or other ideas have come up and we seem to waste a lot of everyone else's time when the two of us are in there, you know, bickering about the pros and cons. So I just think it's important for our relationship, but also for the, the whole leadership team for Christy and I to be aligned. Um, so we really hash it in that, in that um, same page meeting, which happens before the leadership meeting. And I like that you're doing it so that you and she are getting on the same page before you go into the leadership team meeting. So that, as you said, you can kind of hash it out. I, I almost envision it like a, two parents that are raising a family, the parents need to have their arguments behind the scenes so they come out and then tell the kids as a united force what's really going on. Is that kind of how it works? Uh, I think that's a great analogy. And certainly when the two of us are united and we walk in, it's a much stronger argument if we're trying to push something through the leadership team or trying to get further buy-in. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I can't recommend it more making sure that you're aligned, um, you know, we even look, you know, we look ahead at what is on the agenda for that leadership meeting that week, try and cover off all the items. Um, you know, in general, what's, what's the agenda for your one-on-one -on -one meeting with her then on a weekly basis? How does it, how does it flow for the 90 minutes? Uh, for my meeting with Christy? 
yeah is it a is it a structured agenda for for that meeting or is it more of a free flow discussion about a bunch of stuff yeah again because we're using trello we go back to you know our our sort of it's our trello board and we have uh, we've prioritized and advanced advance and sort of my job to kind of sort through the items and and put the most pressing one at the top but we'll cover off essentially my to-dos from the previous week christy's to-dos from the previous week and then the new hot items that um, inevitably come up during the week and either that item you know becomes my new to-do or her new to-do or it, it's something that we're aligned on and we put put it forward for the leadership team meeting that's great. How do you get the engagement of the leadership team? And, and what's the structure of your kind of organization look like on a leadership team level? Who reports to you? Who reports to Christy? Um, yeah, so we're sort of, there's some ebbs and flows with the leadership team currently with someone going on mat leave and uh, a new position being created. So it's interesting. It's, it's kind of a new time. There's some new bodies at that table. Um, for the most part, um, those people... Everyone else in the leadership generally reports to me and, and I report to Christy. So that's the structure of it. And um, yeah, so I, I mean, I, I definitely think of my job as, um, you know, aligning the rest of the leadership team with the vision. And because I've already got that uh, alignment with Christy, um, it helps to drive us towards, towards the overall goals of the company. And are you, are you working with the leadership team doing one-on-one meetings with them as well? That's correct. Yeah. Same yeah. style as you would work with Christy then? Uh, a similar style. And yeah, we've seen Trello seem to have uh, warmed its way into our organization to keep us, to keep us organized. And I was going to, Cam, I was going to touch off. I know you mentioned it in the intro about our goal of our goal now is to get a million people playing in the leagues. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know, for us, um, it's almost like for the first 20 years, we just were happy doing our thing, building at this local footprint um, and I don't want to say just stumbling along, but, you know, just, um, purposely being local, but we, we yeah, don't, don't under, don't underplay that local, but millions of dollars of sales and very profitable and, and huge scope. Like you're, you were clearly the biggest in this, this sports space in the Toronto marketplace too, right? Yes, exactly. And t- taking that time to build up the process and the systems and we kind of feel like we'd honed the formula, so to speak. Okay. And, and one day, you know, you know, Christy really nailed this best when she, you know, she was driving around the city, seeing some, you know, whether it was some ultimate Frisbee players or flag football players driving by and seeing, you know, a couple hundred people playing on a field and really understanding that that's what makes her feel good. And that's what makes us feel good. And that's why we're doing it. And so we thought, you know, as a legacy, wouldn't it be amazing to get a million people playing? have a million people in a year doing this. And, and that's what set us off down this new course that we're on, realizing that we wouldn't be able to get a million people playing in the Toronto market alone. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of gone down this path of we're, we're, we're chasing um, strategic partnerships and acquisitions, and that's what's led us over the border into the U.S. for the first time and uh, other Canadian markets. Yeah. So what strategically has to change then if you're going to go from being just in the Toronto market to a million people, what strategically has to change? And then secondly, what do you think has to change at your leadership team level in terms of their skill level um, or skill areas? Where do you need to to work on or get better as a team? 
Yeah, those are all great questions. And it's kind of the stuff we're right in the thick of right now. Um, right. I'd almost like to come back in two years and report how we're doing. Um, because it's interesting, two years ago, you know, we maybe had 12 people, really a lack of a leadership team, almost not doing leadership meetings. Um, and now we've got about 35 employees and um, 200 part-time people. So the, the pace of change has been really incredible. And, you know, it's just keeping up with those systems and the processes and, you know, with those remote markets, it's bringing those people in as well and really making them feel part of the collective. Uh, so there's, there's, there's lots of new pieces for us and it's, yep. it's, been a, it's been a scary last three years, but a really exciting time too. So where have you guys grown then as an organization? I mean, internally, you've been there for 20 years. So your industry experience is huge. Your depth of understanding the space is huge. Where have you had to work over the years to increase your skill set as the president? And where do you think Christy has gone as the CEO to increase her skills? And then lastly, where are you working to grow the skills of the leadership team specifically? Yeah, I think for all of us, um, I mean, we almost, there was a handful of us at the company that, you know, aside from myself being here almost 20 years and um, you know, there's a few other people that have been here for 10 or 15 years. And in many ways, that's that group of us kind of grew up with the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of things that we've really had to do and force ourselves to do is look outside of our small little bubble um, for external mentors or groups. Um, you know, Cam, your group is a great example, the CEO Alliance. Um, whether it's that or, or the you know, EO type groups, just there's people that have come before us that have done what we're trying to do and sure. expanding our knowledge through, through, you know, external mentors. Okay. And then, so are you getting mentors for your management team then as well? Or there's, are there any specific areas? Like, are you working with them on project management or time management? Are you working with them on acquisitions or integration skills, technology? Um, yeah, I mean, really all of that is stuff that we are actively working to, to go grow our skills at. Um, you know, we have brought in some some external leaders. Um, you know, we have a fractional CFO, Vicky, who she used to be the CFO for Sleep Country Canada. And how for do us, you leverage, that, Yeah, how do you leverage that? How do you leverage a fractional CFO? I was speaking with someone this morning, just this morning about that. Yeah, I mean, for, for us, it's been a great stepping stone where, you know, we used to have sort of a bookkeeper and then a full-time bookkeeper and then someone a little more financially savvy. And we were just ready, especially as we were going to pursue the acquisitions, knowing we need to go to the next level. We need some professional assistance and bolstering the leadership team and just the credibility of what we're, what we're, what we're trying to do. Um, so as a first step, you know, bringing in Vicky on a fractional basis, really kind of two and a half days a week. And, that's at the time what was in the budget and you know immediately paid dividends with bringing in that external professional help yeah so what specifically would she do then because this is a big step that i think a lot of people can't afford a cfo but they haven't thought about a fractional one that could help how is she helping you um yeah and i mean it was, she she came on board right around the time that we had chosen to go down this new path of acquisitions and okay and that's been her biggest strength um certainly with sleep country canada going through that rapid um, scale up is, you know, her experience with that has been amazing. So um, as we've now done, I think in the last, you know, 24 months, we've done six or seven acquisitions and she's really led the charge from a financial perspective. Yeah, interesting. And, you know, Chris, Christy's one that leads the charge on getting the deal done 
I'm the one that's integrating that club into our operations. And Vicky, from a financial perspective, um, you know, sort of integrating the finances and how it all makes sense on the accounting side. I want to talk. That's great. That's huge that you've got her there because that's that is exactly where um, I guess one of the deficiencies for the company. If you've never done acquisitions, it's amazing to bring in a senior person who's done it in the fractional way. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. I want to find out before I ask about the integration part, which is key. I want to find out what was it that's kept you at the sport and social group for 19 years? What, what is it or what were the two or three things that has kept you handcuffed or satisfied you in a way that you stay? Huh. Well, that's a funny question because I was digging through the archives and I found this journal and I'm not really a journal guy, but I've written two entries in this book. The rest of it's empty, but the, the <laughs> second the second entry was the day I decided to come to sport and social club. And um, basically the, I, I wrote to myself that I could see myself staying for maybe a year tops. I'll stay as long as I'm learning something. And it's just funny because now looking back, you know, almost 20 years, wow, I've learned so much. Things have changed. And I honestly still feel like we're, we're, we're just getting started and so much more to learn. And again, coming back to the acquisitions, really having no knowledge about that, we really had to teach ourselves and learn from others. And it's a, it's a whole nother skill set. this, you know, bringing the pieces together and integrating, integrating them together. It's funny. I remember, were you in the old office that was upstairs on Avenue road? Oh yeah. So it was a, above a cigar shop. Yeah. It was by the, by the chicken deli. I remember when Christy was renting that space thinking she was taking too much space. Like there's no possible way you need that much space. <laughs> yeah. Or even, even before that, around that time thinking, why do we need a website? And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Good yeah. call to get one. I remember her hand stuffing envelopes with uh, with stamps and and sending out direct mail pieces to people. Back, it was crazy. We're sitting in her <laughs> living room stuffing them all. Talk about the company culture. You guys at the Sport and Social Group have have really built an incredible company culture, and it's not about just the perks. What is it that you think has turned your company into a cult? <laughs> Because yeah. it, it, is, it is a little bit more than a business, a little bit less than a religion. It's kind of in that perfect zone of a cult. Yeah, you know, we've always prided ourselves on having a really positive company culture. And, you know, even now the, the feedback we get from staff is that they say the best thing about our company is the people. And for me, the people really lends itself to the culture. It's sort of circular. Um, and I, I, honestly, I think for us, it starts with uh, our hiring practices and hiring around our core values. And I think a lot of people say that, but, but truthfully, you know, our core values, it's the biggest thing on the wall in our, in our boardroom. It's on all our job descriptions. We hire based on core values, evaluate based on core values and and fire based on core values. So a, a lot of our people here are, they're aligned with what we're trying to do with the type of people we want. And, and that ladders up to the vision. Hmm. It's got to be pretty exciting for them to be coming on board with something with such a big vision right now as well. They can actually see and feel it too. Yeah. And the simplicity of, you know, 1 million members, people can, they can understand that immediately. Um, and it gets them excited and they, um, you know, as, as we've been going through sort of a rapid hiring process, people, they're excited by it and want to be part of it. Yeah. yeah. But going, going back to the culture, you're right. It's, it's more than just, you know, yeah, we've got the ping pong table in the lounge and we've got beer on tap and all that stuff is great. Um, but there's some other fun things I think we do that are kind of neat with, you know, all of it meant to make it feel like a team environment. Um, so right down from our 
you know, profit sharing and, you know, we, we do these staff trips. Um, it's getting more and more difficult as the numbers get higher, but, you know, we've, we've gone as if we hit our goals, we've gone to Turks and Caicos and Cancun and other places as, as a team. And those are always amazing um, bonding, <laughs> bonding experiences. It's amazing sure. how many great ideas come out on the beach after a few beers, right? Um, another cool one that we do is we have our, our Jersey ceremony. So yeah, after, after a year, you are, you earn your vet Jersey. So it's a, it's a hockey Jersey with the number on the back is the number that the number of the year that you started. And, uh, so we make a big deal about presenting people after they've been there for 12 months, they get their Jersey and it's, it hangs, uh, outside their office or on their chair. Um, Another one I love to talk about is is we have an office mayor. So every four months we elect a, a, a mayor in the office, and I'll give a shout out to to G Adventures, which is a Toronto-based company, travel sure. company. Um, I was sitting in their office many years ago, and they were going through their company elections for the for the mayor of their office. So for us, we we elect a different mayor, and that mayor is in charge of social events and birthdays and other fun things like that. It's funny. You just, you just touched on something that I think so many people miss. And I was talking to a CEO this morning in, in Austin, Texas about it, that we don't have to figure out what to do. It's mostly been invented that R and D should stand for rip off and duplicate, right? The idea of the, the mayor ceremony that works so well for the Toronto sport or for the sport and social group is kind of a rip off and duplicate from G adventures and G adventures probably picked it up from somewhere else. And I think that's the key is to be looking for those things to bring into our company that are easy to put in place that don't take a lot of work. Right. That's right. You know, another one that, that is um, not new to us, but you know, Christie's installed a, a book club and this is uh, before, you know, official company time and it's, it's optional, but you know, suggested and it's just, mm -hmm. you pick a different book and people come in and it's amazing people that you wouldn't normally um, connect with on, you know, specific different levels you can just talk to them differently as you know you're discussing the book and sometimes it's a business book and sometimes it's a biography and um but just to 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 collaborate or discuss with with your teammates or your your co-workers on a on a level that's not you know directly necessarily related to your business that's um, cool. it's just like a social event Right. Tell me, how does your book club work? Because I think a lot of companies have them, but I'm curious as to what the format is for your book club. Is it like, do you do book reports? Do you, um, do they get points for doing it? How does your whole overall kind of scheme for the book club work? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, um, so we vote on the book and, you know, we have a couple months. We, we only do it maybe four or five times a year. And everyone, you know, come for eight o'clock, we provide breakfast and we just limit to, to 45 minutes or an hour. And yeah, it's just, it's an open forum, you know, usually someone typically Christy is directing some of the questions and the, the, uh, the commentary, but, um, yeah. So sometimes you get the really shy people that surprise you and they come out and they have some really insightful takeaways from the book. And, you know, sometimes it's directly relevant to the business and we talk about it in the context of our business. And sometimes it's, it's not related to business at all, but we're just there as a group you know, similar to we've had in the past running groups or, or sure. other, other things that are of interest. Um, so it's, it's just been really neat that way. And, you know, it's not for everyone, but, um, but it's worked as another way to connect outside of business hours. Have you ever read the book Endurance about Ernest Shackleton? 
Mm, I don't know if I've read that one. No, it's it'd be a great one for a book club. It's it become it became one of the strongest books um, about leadership, even though that's not what it was about. It was just the story of this explorer a hundred years ago whose boat crashed in the Antarctic and how they ended up having to live and survive over a course of almost two years on ice flows and on an island, and then taking a rowboat through um, seven hundred miles of the Bering Strait. They turned into, uh, or not the Bering Strait, but the, the Strait of Georgia. Um, going through some of the worst seasons and then climbing over a mountain and everybody survived. And it's this incredible journey um, and an amazing story. But Christie's grandpa said it was his number one book of his life. Uh, And he was a a huge reader. It was also Steve Jobs' number two book of all time. His first was the autobiography of a yoga. So might be be a good one for the book club. Talk about integration for a second. How are you integrating um, you know, the, the acquisitions that you're doing or the partnerships that you're creating with other sport and social groups. And then secondly, what have you learned from some of the integrations that you're going to tweak or change going forward? Do you think? Um, yeah, it's definitely a learning process as we've gone through. And, you know, I think back to the first acquisition that we did and it was a real eye opening experience because we just hadn't, hadn't gone through it before and didn't understand what was about to come. Um, but, you know, in general, now that we've gone through it a few times, there's, there's some immediate pieces that just seem really easy for integrating the finance, some of the marketing stuff. Um, and right now we're going through a process of bringing more and more stuff uh, into the Toronto head office so that really the Toronto head office will act as the, the backbone and the administrative support team and let these sort of city managers, if you will, some freedom to just go and grow and get the people. Um, so um, I don't know, it, it, every acquisition has been a little bit different in that they are on a different software platform mm-hmm. or they have their own systems and we're certainly not out to, you know, while we think we figured out a formula, um, we've learned a lot from the acquisitions themselves and, you know, some of them have spent 10 years creating this awesome community in their own market and we don't want to wreck that at all. So it's, it's identifying, you know, the local, keeping the local genius intact but bringing, overlaying this sort of efficiency or um, systems and processes um, that enable them to, to you know, avoid making the same mistakes that we've already made. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that makes any sense. It's just, it, it does. It's, it's, it's that formula of combining the, um, like I said, that, that local flavor is really needed. And those people in those markets on the ground, they're so critical to, to the local success. But, um, it's just providing them with the, the additional support um, so they can march forward. Yeah, it's interesting. You're, you, you, I think you're looking at two things. One is that I call interdependence, that you're, uh, if a system exists that is working for the whole sport and social group, they'll use it. But if there's one that's existing locally that works great for them, you're letting them use it, right? That they'll, You'll let them kind of work on or work in their own systems. And then secondly is truly honoring that local culture that I think a lot of people miss that the culture of that one city group is going to be different and you're, you're not trying to make them yours. Um, I guess if there's, if there's bits and pieces that you can add, that are going to layer to it, it works, but you're not forcing it, which is interesting. Yeah. And even if you think from, from the members perspective, we don't want to make the members feel like they're going through the same process that we're going through. It should be as seamless as possible for them. And mm-hmm. we're really sensitive about that. If, if we're having to move from one software system to another, you know, it can be creating unnecessary hoops for them to jump through. And it's just really, you know, making sure it's as seamless as possible so that you know, in general, people don't like change. And um, 
especially from the member standpoint, you know, they just want to play their softball game. Um, they don't even really care what's happening. They just want to make sure they're getting their game in every week. Are you going to be changing the name over to one common brand at all? Or is that, um, is that on the table right now? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of case by case. And again, some of these, some of these um, acquisitions have, you know, they've built up such an amazing brand um, and a following for that brand in their market that we're not going to be quick to pull the rug out. But um, you know, the bulk of the ones we've done now have, have embraced our logo and uh, generally embraced the name. And um, so it's why we're now going by, you know, sport and social group um, with just the different cities under, under the one umbrella. That's cool. Yeah. Where, where do you think you've grown most over the last 19 years? Uh, it's a good question. I, um, I think for me, it's, it's the management of people. Hmm. You know, it's not really something you specifically learn in your undergrad uh, or in your first, first few uh, years out on the job. Um, but really, that's how I've morphed as, you know, I look back on my, my own career trajectory. It's, you know, working on, working on the business and now I'm, I'm more managing the people and I think there's some, you know, over the years and just, it's, it's a delicate thing sometimes to be managing different people, um, what motivates people, um, you know, and building a, building a cohesive collaborative team. Uh, it, it is a skill. And I'd say if, if there's one thing, that's, that's sort of what I've, I've been forced to learn over the years. Yeah, it's a huge skill. I was talking to the CEO of Sprint about it two years ago, and we were talking about people. And he said, when do people stop becoming the issue? He said, you know, we're the 82nd biggest company in the United States, and people are always the issue, right? It's always, because you can't, you can't systemize the psyche and the, the, just the way people think and act and do and needs. and, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So final parting question. If you were to give yourself one word of advice, kind of looking back to your earlier career, is there anything that you wish you'd known when you were starting out uh, that you now know for sure to be true. Yeah, uh, I'll kind of give you a two-part answer for this one, and it's yeah. it's kind of looking back in retrospect. I think for myself and you know per myself personally, and for us as a company, it's sort of I'd say thinking bigger and and thinking longer term. Hmm. You know, we were we used to be just day to day, let's survive tomorrow, instead of understanding what tomorrow, how it fits in the context of the bigger goal. And, um, I know in your book, Double Double, you talk about yes. the painted picture. We went through that exercise of figuring out, hey, what, what, is our, what, is our, what is the road we're on here? Where are we going? And yeah. I, always, I always describe it as, you know, we're on this cruise ship and we're just sailing, everything's good and the sun's setting and beautiful, but we had no idea where we're going, you know? Are we going to crash? Are we, are we, what is this journey? And so I think looking longer term and, and, and thinking bigger has enabled us to um, put the journey in context. Interesting. Yeah, it's totally true. And you're at, you're at that next kind of inflection point or evolution right now where the next vivid vision of what your company looks like in three years will be hugely powerful for partners and suppliers and bankers and employees as well. So they can all see what you guys can see. Rob Davies, president of the Sport and Social Group. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do in your next 19 years. All right, Cam. Thanks so much. Thanks for being on the podcast. Appreciate it. See ya. 
You've been listening to Second in Command with Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. To learn more best practices from industry-leading COOs, please visit COOalliance.com.